is great and greatly to be praised. Father, we bless your name tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to talk and to teach on your word. And we ask that you would be with us, cause your anointing to be upon us and flow through us. In this place, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm so delighted to have you join us tonight. I'm excited about another chance to be in Bible study with you, to uh, think on the scriptures and think about what God has said to us and is saying in this place right now. I want to spend some time with you again tonight from the book of Proverbs. Uh, we are in chapter 4 tonight, so get your Bibles set, your PDAs, whatever device you have, your iPads, iPhones, Androids, whatever you have, get it in your ready to Proverbs chapter 4. And again tonight, we are dealing with this theme of answers for the struggle, ancient wisdom for modern problems, answers for the struggle, ancient wisdom for modern problems, and that's where we're going to pitch our tent tonight. As we've been in the midst of this discussion, we've been looking at these uh, sayings, these uh, these comments that are intended to be uh, used by us for uh, living and how we deal with life and all of the trauma and the tragedy and the difficulties and even the joys of life, how we deal with what is. And so tonight I want to use chapter four to discuss what I'm calling tonight eight wisdom keys. Eight wisdom keys. Eight wisdom keys. So I want to deal with the eight wisdom keys as found in this text. These are not the only wisdom keys, but these are the eight wisdom keys in Proverbs chapter 4. Let's open it up, beginning at verse 1. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Hear, O children, the instructions of a father, and pay attention and be willing to learn so that you may gain understanding and intelligent discernment. For I give you good doctrine. Do not turn away from my instruction. When I was a son with my father, David, tender and only son in the sight of my mother Bathsheba, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. The first wisdom key is the provision of wisdom. Provision of wisdom. Provision of wisdom. Now what makes this an important key is if you pay close attention you see some things about the writer and about his life. If this is Solomon writing, then Solomon is the child of uh, a horrific injustice and sin. Uh, we know the story. His father, David, looked off the balcony, watched his mother as she was bathing. Uh, she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite and his father in his uh, job 
description as king decided that he would take advantage of her, brought her into himself, and we know he impregnated her. If this is the same story, and we believe it, it probably is, if this is the same Bathsheba, and we think it is, then he is, he is the product of that coming together. Not that particular one, but that coming together, that, that union that happened after murder, and I call it murder because they stood back in the line and allowed Uriah to be killed, that union that happened after, he becomes later down the line, but he becomes the product of a union between a man who has literally coveted another man's wife and snatched her. That's, I'm, I'm not making it up. You know, sometimes we try to make scripture better than it is. We try to uh, sanitize the text, but I'm, I'm, I'm desanitizing it today and just breaking down truth. But something happened, and I don't know that it was as a cause of this, but I do believe that David was shook when the final results of that and the resulting death after, he, he, I think something shook in him, and he took a different kind of interest in Solomon. He took an interest in the boy, the boy that, come, that would later come. He took a different interest. And the interest he takes in, in his son is, is the kind of interest that says, I want to impart to you all of the good of me and hopefully help you stay away from the bad in me. There's a lot of good in me, but there's some bad in me. And I'd like to pour into your spirit everything that I can and provide, that's the word provision here, and provide wisdom to you. And I need you to get this wisdom I'm going to pour into you. Now he says that, that he is the son, <coughs> excuse me, of his father David. And then he says, he is the only son of his beloved mother, Bathsheba. He says, I, I, this is me. And, 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 and for some reason, David takes an interest in him and really gives him godly wisdom and instruction. Now, as you know, those of you who are Bible scholars, Bible readers, you will know this about this story and about the Davidic line and his children. David did not do the same with all of his children. Or if he did, they didn't get all the lessons. Because we have, we have all kinds of, of incest. We have fighting and killing and attempted murder. We, we, this family was jacked up. You think your family got problems. This family's issues had issues. Anytime you got to run away from your own son, you, your family got some issues. David pours into him. And, and I want to I wanna pause for a moment. And I want to say to every parent, 
every mentor, every person that has the respect of someone else, every influencer, at some point in your life, you ought to see what are the ways that I can pour in to somebody else. How can I take my mistakes, my flaws, and say, look, later on, he's going to say, look, be careful of strange women. David, why would you say that? Well, I'd have been with a whole bunch of them. I can tell you now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, be, watch out. I'm trying to tell you, don't go that road. I know what happens on that road. Been there, done that. I paid for it. You don't need to pay for it as well. And, and the interesting thing for me is that with all of his flaws, he still knew there was something good in him that needed to be shared, and he was willing to share it. I start there because some of you don't realize, that's right, dysfunctional family, you're right, Sister Regina. <clears throat> I start there because some of you think because you have flaws and people may even know your flaws. Don't think folk didn't know what David had done to Uriah. They may not have said it out loud because he was the king, but they knew. When he walked down the street, they knew. They looked at his children, they knew, they knew the deal. But David still knew that the value of what he had was too important not to share it. So let me, let me put this with the provision of wisdom. Do not allow sin, shame, or the shadow of what you've done keep you from doing your job in sharing the best parts of you with others. Because the wisdom you have is too great to be held on to. It's too great for you to keep the, the, even the stuff you went through. I don't care if you got pregnant at whatever age, the stuff you went through and the lessons you learned are too valuable for you to try to hide it and do too valuable for you to worry about the shadow that it's overtaking you and the shame and all that. Use that, and I'm not telling you to go tell all your business to everybody. What I'm telling you is there are godly wisdom jewels in some saints that will die with them if they don't share them. I'm going to give you a quick analogy. Um, some of you uh, know uh, people that made great pies or great cakes. Uh, we've had people in this church who made like the best uh, banana pudding. And then when they died, nobody else could make it. Or if they can, they stumbled because they took the recipe to glory with them. They took the recipe for the German chocolate cake to Jesus with them. They took the recipe for the, the well, some of y'all might have a few of them. I, I know one saint got the lemon, the lemon cake recipe. I, oh, God, bless your heart. But, but you understand what I'm saying? You, 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 the, the gems that we have, if we don't share them, nobody gets them. And some of you now who are listening to me, are getting to be senior saints and you have not really invested the amount of time you needed to pour out and pour in to those around you. Please do. 
Because what, what David does is he says, he taught me and said to me, verse four, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. First thing is the provision of wisdom. Second key is pursue wisdom. <coughs> pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. And verse five says, get skillful and godly wisdom. Acquire understanding. And, and the, the parenthetical is actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. Get wisdom. And do not forget, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. He says, you need to take on the pursuit of wisdom as though your life depended on it. Pursue it like your life depends on it. Go after it. Get wisdom. You need it. Sometimes, some of us have a hard time taking wisdom because we think we know already. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times people will say, well, I already know that. Well, if you really knew that, you wouldn't have done what you just did. So let me reiterate it to you and help you get it in your spirit. Because right now, it may be in your head, but it's not in your heart. You may have it in your cognitive knowledge bank, but it's not in your practice bank. And so I need to restate it to you again because I'm trying to get you to internalize it at a deeper level so you will not only know it, but you'll function in it. So when he says, get wisdom, he says you not only need the wisdom, but you also need the understanding or the ability to put the wisdom into action. And here's the major failure Many people may know the wisdom, but they don't know how to act on it. They know it, but they don't know what to do with it. They've acquired the knowledge, but they can't put it into practice. You have to get both the wisdom and the ability to get to use it, but you can't get that if you're not trying to go after it. You know, you will never hit a target you're not aiming at. So if you're not aiming for wisdom, you won't get it. If it's not something you really want, you won't get it. You know, sometimes I sit with some of the older saints here at the church and I ask them questions and I tell them, I say, well, what do you think? And Deacon Medina will, if he, he go back through his uh, probably thousands of text messages by now since the pandemic and look at him, Every time I say, what are your thoughts? 
And, and I say that to many of you when I talk to you, what are you thinking? And they're like, <laughs> excuse me. And they're like, well, we're gonna do whatever. No, no, no. I'm collecting your wisdom because you have a vantage point that I don't have. You can see from things that you have discerned that I did not discern. And I don't have to know it all. That's why you all are in my life. I don't have to. I've got deacons and deaconess who are standing by me. And I don't need to know everything. That's why you're there. So share. Speak into my spirit as I speak into the body of Christ. I'm open. You be open. And the problem with some people, because they don't operate like that. They operate from a fixed point of view. Once they get it in their head, they can't change. Because they have a fixed point of view, they think you have a fixed point of view, and you're only going to do what you're thinking. What they don't realize is they have lived in such binary terms where they think that there's only one way or the other. There's no gray, there's no in-between, there's no complexity, there's nothing but what they think is right. And so they think everybody has to believe that. But the wisest of the wise are always in pursuit of wisdom. They're always reading, they're always talking, they're always acknowledging their elders, they're always acknowledging people that have good common sense, they're always looking for content expertise, because they realize, okay, I may be good in math, in Matthew, because I've studied the Bible, I've taken courses in New Testament, and I've taken, yeah, but I, that means I'm good with math, with mathematics. I know Matthew, not necessarily mathematics. I'm decent, but if you've got a, a degree in some applied science area, and you're a mathematician, I have to acknowledge that you may be a content expert in that area and at least seek your wisdom from your content expertise. So the idea, and there's a wisdom key here for all of us, is to pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. Go after it. So, so if I'm looking for advice about finances, I may call Elder Short because she works in that arena. Are you following me? There, there are things that people have literally great wisdom in. I, I go around all the time. I use things that deacons have said to me, and I repeat them all the time, give them credit and attribution, because I know that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, Dick Terry Potter said to me one time, uh, we were talking uh, in a meeting, he said, people will not do what you expect, they do what you inspect. He got that from being a leader over people on jobs. And so from then on, it stuck in my spirit, people won't do what you expect, they'll do what you inspect. The wisdom of it resonated with me. What you have to know is, you've got to be open and willing to hear and get it, and get it. Because God is dropping nuggets in numerous places when your heart is open and you are not sitting there as though you cannot learn. You can, are in the position to be taught and you're in a place to pursue wisdom. 
when I get wisdom, I get to my third key. And the third key is, is this. Wisdom offers me protection. The protection of wisdom. The protection of wisdom. Wisdom offers me protection. <clears throat> it's important you see this. He says, do not turn away from her and she will guard and protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Now, I'm going to talk to these pronouns in here in a moment, um, but I want to stick with this idea here. He says, look, you have to understand that, that wisdom, when you get it, you become armed. Knowledge is power. Knowing how to use it becomes <coughs> powerful. What you have to recognize is the more wisdom I have, the more protection I have. The more wisdom I have, the more protection I have. I, um, I watched a guy who, who was a world traveler. And so he entered the city and the, the city resident said, look, you can go in this area here and this area here. Don't go in this area here unless you're with someone that's from that area because it's a real dangerous place and they don't take the strangers well. There you can get jacked. The wisdom that was just imparted did what? Created protection. Because now I understand where danger will be lurking. I understand where danger is, so the words of wisdom <clears throat> has now done what? It has now put a shield around me if I'm wise enough to take it and act on it. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I sit there and I think about times when my mother tried to tell me certain things and I listened and I did well and other times I didn't listen and I didn't do so well. So the scar on my arm right here, which you can't really see tonight, but the scar on my arm is the result of her giving me wisdom, which would have protected me. Stove is hot. The, the coffee water is hot. Don't touch the stove. Leave it alone. Had I listened, I would have been protected from the boiling water that ultimately took skin from my arm. What you have to understand is wisdom becomes protection. Don't invest in this. From the right person protects you from a bad investment that sends you down the tube. That's probably not the best vehicle. That wisdom there protects you from a bad investment in a vehicle that may have become a money pit. Wisdom becomes protection. And what he tells you to do is don't deny it. You know, sometimes, um, y'all please forgive me because I'm not trying to be offensive. This is um, International Women's Day. So ladies, forgive me. I'm going to try and give both sides of this coin, but I'm telling you up front what I'm going to say is, is, is a, it might be offensive to somebody. 
you know, some of y'all ladies know when you, your mother told you that man right there was no good. She said that, look here, he a player. <clears throat> he don't want anything but to be intimate with you. He ain't going to love you, treat you right. He going to do it. He, 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 look, I'm telling you now, leave him alone. Stay away. Stay, don't touch it. Leave him alone. Now, you thinking that, mommy, you just don't want me to be happy. You don't understand. He loved me. No, baby. He is in love with the idea of making love. He is not in love with the, not, no, you just don't love me. He ain't gonna be, baby, I'm trying to protect your heart. Well, you know, you, you go on, you jump on in there, and you know what the old folks say. A hard head make a soft mind. There's an Eli in every community. And you got to know the Eli's in your community so you can hide your heart. Y'all missed that old time song. Eli's coming, hide your heart, girl. You, you got to understand, you got to be careful and get wisdom because wisdom will protect you. Same thing, brother. Sometimes you, you got your eyes on something. You think that's all that, and you don't realize that that person may not be what they're presenting. And you look around. I uh, Y'all forgive me. I'm going to tell on myself. I'm going to tell on myself. Because I couldn't believe it. So it was funny to me. So I'm going to tell y'all, I got to tell this one. So I, I get this on the video on YouTube of this woman who looks like about a size 10, 12. And then they show the woman getting dressed. And she puts on, it's only about 35, 40 seconds. She puts on a girdle, which she got to have up here because her belly's like mine. It's sticking out down here. And she snaps all of it together. And then she pulls it all down. And then she puts on another girdle, uh, 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 like a spanx, and brings this all up. So she done pulled one down, bought this up, but her back is sticking out. So she puts on like a, almost like a back bra around, put her arms in it, and then she snaps it up. And all of a sudden, she becomes a size 12 when before she was a 24. Now, don't get me wrong, 24 is beautiful. What's cute, what, what blew my mind is how we now, through the modern technology and Spanx, and, can make ourselves something that is completely different. And the truth is, sister, you better know that about some brothers too. Because he can be driving a fancy car, but it don't mean it's his. He can be living in a nice house, don't mean he's not living with, with, without money in his pocket or with money in his pocket. You've got to realize Everything doesn't have to be what it appears. Wisdom protects you. Okay, I got to move on. I got to move on. Number four, wisdom is preeminent. So number four is the preeminence of wisdom. Thank you, Sister Princess. I thought it was funny too. The, you you, you got to realize the preeminence of wisdom. There's nothing more important than getting wisdom. You, you, you got to get it now. 
verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is get skillful and godly wisdom. It is preeminent. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding, actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. Wisdom is preeminent. <clears throat> Let me give it again. You know, when you have wisdom, thank you, I see you now. When you have wisdom, you put that up front. You want to get the wisdom of a carpenter before you start doing repairs. You want to get the wisdom of a plumber before you pull something out. You want to get the wisdom of an engineer before you decide, oh, I want to have an open concept house. And then you knock down a wall and find out it's a retaining wall and all of a sudden your house goes falling down in the middle. Wisdom is preeminent. It's the beginning of everything and when you get it it will help you to discern what steps to take without it your discernment is going to be based on the limitedness of your own wisdom and and I just want to be honest some of y'all might be mad when I say it but but none of us are all that or have all knowledge. Um, William deGrasse Tyson, I believe his name is, is a preeminent uh, of, of person that understands the stars. He, he's, he sees the, the planetary things and whatnot. But I bet you this much, when his plumbing go, he better find the preeminent plumber who can see what's going on underneath the ground. I don't care how smart of an astrophysicist he may be, it doesn't mean he knows plumbing. It doesn't mean he knows the heart. If something goes wrong with his heart, he better go see someone who has studied, instead of the stars, studied the beating and pumping of the heart. You have to realize wisdom is preeminent. You don't have to have it all, but the thing you have to have is the wisdom to know you don't have it and the willingness to receive it. The willingness to receive it. The willingness to learn how to use it. So number five, number five, he comes back and he says, prize wisdom. The prize of wisdom prize wisdom <clears throat> when you get wisdom it's the prize it, you, you, you ought to celebrate it, you ought to laud it you ought to hold it up you ought to recognize its importance verse 8 and verse 9 it says prize wisdom exalt her and she will exalt you she will honor you if you embrace her she will place on your head a garland of grace and she will present you with the crown of beauty and glory. The more you prize wisdom, the more you're going to be esteemed yourself. The more you prize wisdom, the more you'll be esteemed. The more you get discernment, the more you get understanding, the more you'll be esteemed. You know, you know the one thing people say about other folk behind their back? 
especially when they do what can be interpreted as something dumb. People will say this, and let me say this in the ebonic way. People will say, I can't believe it. He ain't got no wisdom. Just ain't got no wisdom. It looked like his mama, daddy, somebody should have gave him something. He ain't got <clears throat> And when you function in wisdom, the converse happens. Ooh, I can't believe how wise that person is. That, that, now you walking in wisdom now, mm, that just makes a lot of sense. You, all of a sudden you come back and say, well, you know, <clears throat> I think that's a good plan but I'm gonna go slow here and I'm gonna check with so-and-so and I'm gonna check with my financial advisor before I make that move and I'm gonna have this conversation over here and I'll get right back to you. And people look at and say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's very wise. Why? Because people recognize the value of wisdom and you have to recognize it and prize it. Hold it up, exalt it. And as you do that, guess what? When you do it, people will look at you and they will think of you as wise and the garland of grace will be above your head. And you will have the crown of beauty and glory. People will look and say, I can't believe just, ooh, God, my. I can't believe how wise they are. I can't believe what, they, what they're willing to do. I can't believe they, they, they think like that. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Prize it. Esteem it. Know what God is doing. This next one is not as much a key as it is a key indicator of the way wisdom flows in the earth realm and the way David valued it and the way in which Solomon came to value it. And that is the personification of wisdom. The personification of wisdom. Let's look back at those verses we've been reading on. Because there's something here in this personification. This is number six, the personification of wisdom. There's something here. He says, prize wisdom. And then it says, and exalt her. The feminine pronoun, her. And she, again, feminine, will exalt you she will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. And she will present you with a crown of beauty. Wisdom is here personified. And when we get to chapter 8, I'm going to take time out there to do a special Bible study just on the Hebrew understanding of wisdom <clears throat> and the personification of it as a feminine form. I was talking to my wife about this 
And she said, and I said, I said, you know, talking about how the Bible personifies wisdom as a woman. And my wife said, but of course it would. I said, okay, dear. Of course wisdom would be a woman. Do you think it'd be a man? Thank you, dear. I love you too. Yes, women have function and greater wisdom in men than men in many things. And, uh, and, and we, we have to acknowledge that. It is important that you see this personification because what it does for us here is causes us to recognize when, it, when you have a personification, it is indica indicative of something with which you can not only possess, but be in relationship to. So that wisdom is to be garnered, gathered, collected, but you are to be in relationship to wisdom. You ought to be walking with wisdom, wisdom by your side, wisdom by people around you. You ought to be surrounding yourself with wisdom. You know, some of us, we can, we can surround ourselves with the wrong people and those relationships cause us to do wrong things. And he says, you need to be in relationship with wisdom. You need to be in relationship. Here's the personification of it. She is something to behold. And I'll tell you, I'm going to come back to it <clears throat> because it's too important for me not to. I got two more, and I want to get make sure I make it tonight. Number seven, number seven, is the path of wisdom. The path of wisdom. Beginning at verse 10, <clears throat> hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be many. I have instructed you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom. I've led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded for your path will be, will be clear and open. When you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Actively seek it, grip it firmly, and do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, <clears throat> and do not go the way of evil men. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, pass on, for the wicked cannot sleep unless they do evil and they are deprived of sleep unless they make someone stumble and fall and they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence but the path of the just that is the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches the full strength and glory in the perfect day the way of the wicked is like deep darkness they do not know over what, what they stumble. Remember this. The path of wisdom is always going to be the light. And, and I want to help you find the path. 
Here's what David would say later. He would say, he said, thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So now, if you want to walk in the path of wisdom, you need to walk in the path of the word, which means that you need to make sure that what you're doing aligns itself with godly wisdom and the first form of godly wisdom is the word of the living God. It's the word of the Lord. So that as I'm seeking to find the path, one of the ways I discern the path is I discern it by looking at it against the light of God's divine word. So that I'm always going back. How does this line up with biblical teachings? How does this line up with eternal truths? How does this line up with what God has called me to live and do and be? And when I'm doing that, I am aligning myself with the light, therefore with the path of wisdom, because wisdom is always going to align itself with the word of God. It's not going to go contrary to it. It's going to be enfolded in the ways of righteousness. That's part of the word of God. It's going to be enfolded into rightness. So one of the ways I know whether something is wise or not, okay, let me give you something. Someone comes to you and says, look, we can make a lot of money if we do this. And all we got to do is do this, 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 this. And you look around and say, hmm, is that legal? Well, it's not, it's not illegal. Well, what does it mean it's not illegal? Well, there's really no law against it yet. And since there's no law against it yet, we could do this. And, you know, well, if they come back later on, we'll already be made our money and we'll be gone and everything will be fine and you won't get in any trouble. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. I don't care if I can make a million dollars. If I got to look over my shoulder every day when I walk down the street, that don't line up with my path of wisdom. That doesn't line up with righteousness. It doesn't line up with, with what God is calling me to. You know, the Bernie Madoffs of the world find ways to make money and they end up cheating people out of millions of dollars and taking people's retirement funds and taxes and whatever and they think they did something until finally all of it catches up to them and then they want to run away. Because see, when I'm walking in the light of righteousness, I may not have much, but I can sleep. I may not have much, but I don't, have to, I don't have to pull over every time I see a police officer coming. I may not have much, but I can go ahead and relax in what I have. When you walk on the path of the light, you don't fear the darkness because the darkness cannot comprehend the light. The light keeps me going. Last one, number eight. Number eight. And this is simply it. There's a price of wisdom. There's a price of wisdom. These are the last verses of the chapter. He says, my son, I'm at verse 20 now, if you follow me, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Open your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all of their flesh. Watch over your heart 
with all diligence, from it flows the spring of life. Put away from you a deceitful, lying, misleading mouth, and put devious lips far from you. Let me, let me pause here, verse 23. He tells you really up front, he says, guard your heart, and then he says, guard your tongue. Come back again. Guard your heart, guard your tongue. Guard your heart, guard your tongue. Some things ought not come out of your mouth. Some things ought not come out of your mouth. Some things you ought not say. You ought never look to deceive people. You ought never look to be to get your way through deception. He says, he says, guard your heart. And he says, guard your mouth. And then he says, in case you didn't get it, guard your eyes. What you look at, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly ahead towards the path of moral courage. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you towards the path of integrity. So now, he done told you guard your heart. He said guard your tongue. Now he says the price of wisdom is that you guard your eyes. You guard what you look at. Because see, if you become envious and jealous and lustful and covetous over what someone else has, then you're going to do something to get what they have. The price of wisdom is guarding your heart, guarding your tongue, and guarding your eyes. But, when, but if I'm going to do that, I then might as well go ahead and guard my feet. Because i got to also guard where I'm going. Verse 26, well, consider well and watch carefully the path you're walking. He says, guard your heart, guard your eyes, guard your tongue, guard your feet. He says, you want to walk steadfast. And he says, when you do that, when you have guarded and been on guard at the gates, he says, what comes next is you recognize that if you do not turn away right nor to the left where evil may lurk, he says, turn your foot from the path of evil. He says, you be on guard. What I say, what I see, what I let in my heart, come on now, where I go, all matter because it matters as to what kind of wisdom I'm going to walk in. The wisdom of the world which leadeth into darkness and stumbleth at that which it does not know or the wisdom of God which leads through the word of God on the path that has the light. I choose the light. And my ancestors were saying, walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. God bless you, brothers and sisters. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I hope you out there are saying, thanks be to God. 
Well, I love you all. Thank you so much for joining with us here tonight for another Bible study. I'm having a great time. Answers for the struggle, ancient wisdom for modern problems. Let's keep going. Let's keep studying the Word of God. I'm just excited about what God is doing and saying and what God means. Well, I want to welcome anybody who's joining us who says to themselves, hey, man, I like what you all are teaching. I want to be a part of that word there in that church. Come on and join us. You can become an I member, internet member. You can become a member of wherever you are. You can join us. Come be a part of this family. Contact us here. It says, I am a Shiloh member. You already are. Come on, call us, write us at our email address there. And we welcome you already <clears throat> to this family of God. Well, saints, I love you and I thank you so much for being with us tonight. I want to invite you to give tonight. Join us in giving. As you know, we've been giving back out. We're partnering and blessing. There are three ways to give. They're up on the screen now. Please be a partner with us in giving tonight as we continue to do the will of God in this place. Join us. Share what you have, what your resources go to our diaconate. I want to tell you this. What we take in on Tuesday night, with the exception we have speakers, we put it into our benevolent fund. We go ahead and we give it away. We give it back away because we know how important it is to be participants in blessing somebody else. So please help us as we give back unto the world. Well, I thank God for each of you joining us. I want to just make a couple quick announcements as we close tonight. Announcement number one is I'll be on with the call with you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Join me for prayer. Join me. I want you to be praying with me. Now, the second announcement is about the consecration. Let me give you a, um, an idea about the consecration. We start with Lent. On the weekends, that is Saturday and Sunday, we take off whatever time you want. But I, wanna, I want you to get something in your spirit about this year's consecration. I ask everyone to try to fast at least 12 hours. That doesn't mean without water. You can have your water, drink as much water as you can, matter of fact. We're on a consecration. This is not a total fast. So please tell my, my bestest deaconess she can drink some water. And, uh, and those of you who are on medication, let you know you eat something to take your medication. If that's how you take it. Just don't sit down and have your regular meal. If you need some crackers to take your medication, eat those crackers and then take your medication. What I'm trying to do this year, which is a little different than what we've done before, is I'm trying to get you to fast minimum of 12 hours. <clears throat> Let me see if I can help you see what that would look like. That would mean that if you stopped eating, just say at six o'clock this evening, then you would not eat again until six o'clock tomorrow morning. 12 hours. What I want is that you can get to the place where you're stopping well before you go to bed. Three to four hours before you go to bed. Whatever time that is for you. Stopping well before. 
consider your, your eight hours of sleep and spending three or four hours after you get up before you jump in. Now the goal would be, this is the goal, not what everyone can do, the goal would be to get to 16 hours where you're eating in an eight hour period. Meaning sort of, sort of like breakfast and a snack in the middle and then a nice dinner. Whatever it is you choose to do will be fine as long as you're eating within the guidelines. You're eating within the guidelines. So I'm not as worried about the times of the fast. I want you to work the fast to best work for you. I want you to go to bed hungry. Meaning, I would love for you to stop eating by six o'clock. Even if you got up ravenously hungry at 6 a.m. and had to have your breakfast. I want you to stop because I, your resting hours, I want your system to be empty. Now I know that's different for some of you. We want to get to 16 hours, but I at least want you to start with 12. The goal for you is to stop eating at least four hours before you go to sleep, which will give plenty of time for whatever's in your system to be digested. And then you rest on an empty stomach. Oh, some of you are gonna sleep better than you ever slept in your life. You're not gonna have them collard green eating dreams. You're not gonna be turning over with gas. You're gonna be sleeping better than you ever slept in your life. Try it, try it. Join me. The consecration is what it is. Get on it. Try your best to follow the guidelines. They're in the light. Yes, thank you, sis. This is a spiritual journey. This is a spiritual journey. It, it has to be that you are spending time in prayer. It's a, it's a time for you to pray. I want you to spend time praying. I want you to spend time reading your scriptures. I want you to take this, which is a podcast, listen to the podcast. But I want you to get to the place where you are learning to restrict your body. Because once you get your body in, into line and you're taking your time out, you're going to be able to fast longer than you ever thought. And you're going to be able to come into alignment with your thinking and your spirit and you're going to get to a new place in God. Remember what the Hebrew boys did. They said, keep your pleasant food. You can keep your steak. You can keep your, 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 your filet mignon. You, they, I'm sure they didn't really call it that back then. But whatever you have, you can keep it. We're going to eat our fruits. We're going to eat our vegetables. We're going to eat everything that's, that's on the Hebrew diet system. What we eat. And all we want from you is water. Give us some water. I'm sure they also had other libations, but give us water and we're going to be fine. We'll be fine. And then they got scared, sir. But what if you don't look as good as the rest of the folk who are eating the, the hard meat and they're doing it? Thank you very much. We'll be fine. When they came back to look at them, they looked better. They were in better health. 
and they were in a place where they could serve their God and be an example. So let's try, let's try. So again, I want you to get to the place. We wanna join in, we wanna get there. 12 hours at least of fasting. 12 hours of fasting, 12 hours. Find your 12 that works for you. Everybody can do it. Now someone's gonna ask me, Reverend, why'd you pick the nighttime and say, do it before you go to bed? Because I'm trying to take away every excuse. Some of you will say, well, Reverend, I don't have enough energy to work. Well, you're, you can end your fast in time to get enough in energy to, that you can work and do that. That's not the issue. You're going to be sacrificing because it's going to throw you off because you're so used to getting your big meal and then a couple hours later, not, not on the couch. And instead, now you're going to be doing something different. Do me a favor. Join me in prayer tomorrow. But then join prayer every day. Pray every day so that even though we may not be on the phone at the same time or we may not be on Facebook or YouTube at the same time, our prayers collectively are going up. Reverend, what should we pray for? Pray for your families. Pray for your children. Pray for your children's children. Pray for this nation. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for the Russian citizens who have, a, a little old grandmother was arrested for protesting the other day. Pray for those citizens who disagree with their government. Pray for, for, for even Putin. The Bible says, pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. That's the King James Version of, of Matthew 5. Pray for him as well. Pray that God turns his mind around. Pray for President Biden. Pray for Kamala Harris as she goes to meet with European leaders. Pray for our Congress, our senators, our governors. This is a time when we pray, if my people. I don't know why the text had to say if, unless it recognized that some of us just don't get it. It's time to pray. I love you all the love of the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for joining me tonight. You go in peace. I want you to continue to pray for um, Sister Mibu Coleman and her family as we will bury her son, uh, Lamont, on Friday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. calling hours. Pray for the Blackburn family, Sister Anita and their whole family there as we will celebrate her father's life on next Tuesday morning. God bless you. I love you all the love of the Lord. I'll see you in person, in worship, Sunday morning, 9 a.m., Let's come together, have a great time in the Lord. God bless you. I love you with the love of the Lord. You won't change my mind. You know this has been another one for Jesus. Go in peace and the peace of God go with you. Shalom.